الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone And that He has no partners or associates And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam It's his slave servant and his messenger. <clears throat> In this uh, lecture number five of our series of lectures concerning the matters related to As-Salat from the chapter of the Bab, Kitab uh, As-Salat from Taysir Al-Alam, Sharh Umdat Al-Ahkam. We would like to quickly review the hadith that we took last week. Hadith uh, Number 54 related to making up the missed prayers and the order of making up those prayers. The bab, qada al-fawa'it wa tartibuha. The hadith that the shaykh mentions under this chapter, it is one hadith, the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhumah. He said that Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu came on the day of the battle of Khandaq uh, after the sun had set and he began to abuse or to say bad words or harsh words against the disbelievers of the Quraysh. He said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I almost didn't pray the Asr prayer. I almost didn't pray the Asr prayer until يعني, the sun had almost set. And he prayed it just before sunset. Then the Prophet wasallam said to him, Wallahi ma sallaytuha. I swear by Allah I didn't even pray it. So Umar radiallahu anhu said that they stood up and they went to Bathan uh, and at that place the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made wudu for salat and we also made wudu for salat. Then he prayed the asr, he performed the asr prayer after the sun had set and then he prayed after the performance of the asr prayer he prayed the maghrib or sunset prayer. <coughs> From this hadith, the shaykh mentions a number of points. The first of them, that it is obligatory to make up the missed obligatory prayers. And in the five obligatory prayers, if anyone missed one of them, for whatever reason, you must make it up. Although, Uh, some of the scholars, and perhaps it is the most correct opinion, said that if someone missed the prayer without a legitimate legal excuse, then you cannot make up the prayer. There's no making up. The making up of the prayer is for the one who has a legitimate excuse, who forgot or who overslept or who was yeah, any forced to hold back from performing the prayer. That person has to make it up. As for the one who missed it because they just didn't feel like praying, then there's no making up for it, but they should make tawbah, repentance, ask Allah's forgiveness, and do as much of good deeds as possible to make up for the sin of abandoning the salat intentionally without an excuse. 
The second point he says here that um, it is the apparent, yani what, is, what appears from this hadith, it appears as though the Prophet ﷺ delayed the prayer not through forgetfulness but intentionally because he was unable to perform the prayer due to the seriousness of the situation, the battle. And at that time, the Salat al-Khawf or the prayer that one performs in the condition of fear facing the enemy, that prayer had not yet been legislated according to many of the scholars. Also, from this hadith, it is, we find that there is a proof for the given precedence to the prayer which was missed over the one that is due presently. Yani that the prayer which you missed should be performed first before the one that is due now, except in the case that the one which is due might also, its time might also elapse. In that case, some of the scholars said, that you should pray that one first before its time also elapsed and then the one that you miss. Also from this hadith is the permissibility of making supplication against the oppressor or the wrongdoer and this is understood from the fact that Umar radiallahu anhu said harsh words against them and prayed against them, supplicated against the disbelievers of the Quraysh and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi approved of it. Yani he didn't criticize him or, or condemn him for doing so. That means that it's permissible. Also, uh, from this hadith, we understand that it is legislated in Islam. It is a good and encouraged act that when a, an affliction or some hardship or calamity has befallen someone, that we should try to lighten the, the, and the difficulty of that calamity upon the person who has been afflicted as the Prophet ﷺ did to Umar when he saw how hurt and how affected he was by the fact that he delayed the prayer up until almost the sunset. Then the Prophet ﷺ tried to relieve him from that feeling by informing him that his situation was even worse, that he hadn't even prayed yet. And the last point he says uh, that it is permissible to swear, to make an oath even if one is not requested to. As the Prophet ﷺ wasn't requested or required to make an oath, but he voluntarily swore by Allah, he said, Wallahi ma salaituha. I swear by Allah, I didn't even pray. This shows that it's permissible to make an oath uh, even if one is not requested. But of course also we should say here that most of the scholars uh, also uh, yani, criticize someone who is swearing all the time. Yani for every statement that they make, they say, Wallahi, Wallahi, I didn't go, Wallahi, I didn't see him, Wallahi, I'm not going. Every statement they make, they say, Wallahi. This means that the oath of swearing by the name of Allah becomes a light matter, and it, be- it loses its importance. This is something that's inscur- discouraged. And in fact, the Prophet said that one of the signs of the hypocrites is that is the yani, continuous or too much swearing. In the next uh, chapter, Bab Fadl Salat al-Jama'ah wa wujubiha, the virtues or the superiority of the Salat in congregation and that it is obligatory. Here the Shaykh mentions three hadith, two of them we took last week. The, the first of those three hadith is hadith number 55, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Salat al-Jama'ah afdaru min Salat al-Fadh that the prayer in congregation is preferable or better than the prayer that one prays alone by 27 degrees.
Uh, here the Shaykh mentions four points that are derived from this hadith. The first of them is the clarification of the superiority of the Salat in Jama'ah. And second, that the amount of reward for the Salat alone is a little amount or it is a small amount in comparison uh, to the amount or the reward that one receives for the prayer in congregation. And also that the difference between the two, the reward that one receives for the congregational prayer and the reward that one receives for praying alone, there is a great difference between them. And that's an encouragement that a person should always try to get the greater reward. It's not a little difference, but there is a big difference. And it's 27 degrees or 27 times more for praying in congregation. That means that uh, it shouldn't be any missed. And number four, uh, the correctness of the salat that one prays alone, that that salat is sahih, it is acceptable, it is not uh, invalid. Uh, and the person gets credit. If anyone didn't perform the prayer in congregation, they prayed alone, then they get credit as having performed the prayer. And that prayer is acceptable and correct, even though the reward, of course, is greatly reduced. And this is in reference to the one who uh, avoids or yeah, and he fails to be present for the congregational prayer without excuse. As for the one who has an excuse to be absent from the congregational prayer, then there is no law or reduction in their reward because they have a legitimate excuse for their absence. And the next hadith under the obligation of praying in congregation, hadith number 56, is the hadith of Abu Hurairah anhu. He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that the prayer of a man in jama'ah is multiplied over his prayer in his home or in his place of business or marketplace uh, by 25 times. And the reason for this is because if he makes wudu and makes it properly, completely, thoroughly, and then he goes out and he leaves his house to go to the masjid, and there's nothing that caused him to go out of his house except for the salat. Yeah, and he didn't go out for any other reason except he left his house in order to perform the prayer in jama'ah. Then every step that he takes will raise him up a degree and also every step that he takes will remove from him one of his sins. And also uh, when that person is praying, as long as they are praying, the angels will continue to supplicate for them as long as they sit in their place of prayer. Yani, the one who goes to the jama'ah, to the masjid to pray in, in jama'ah and congregation, after the prayer, if they sit in the prayer place, then the angels will pray and supplicate for them. Allahumma salli alayhi, Allahumma khfir lahu, Allahumma arhamhu. Yani, oh Allah, uh, yani asking Allah, the angels ask Allah to bless them and to forgive them and to have mercy on them. Uh, and also finally the Prophet ﷺ said that a person is considered to be in the salat or in the state of performing the prayer and they will get the reward as though they are performing the prayer as long as they are waiting for the prayer. So if someone goes to the masjid early or stays after the salat waiting for the next prayer, as long as they are waiting for a prayer, they are considered to be in prayer and they get the reward for such. From this hadith, the Shaykh also mentions a number of points. From amongst those points is that uh, also this hadith shows the superiority of the salat and congregation in the masjid and that its reward is multiplied. And this reward is multiplied in every case, no matter how many people are in the congregation. If there are 5 or 10 or 50 or 500, 
In any case, the one who goes to the masjid and prays in jama'ah, their salat is multiplied by 25 or 27 times. Uh, although the more the number of the people in the congregation, the more the reward, and this is based on the hadith that's reported uh, by Ashab al-Sunan, yani the Qutb al-Sunan, that is Abu Dawud al-Tirmidhi ibn Majah al-Nasai, and also reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, the hadith of Ubay ibn Khab radiallahu anhu, he attributed it to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that a man, and the prayer of a man when he prays with one person is better than his prayer when he prays alone and the prayer that he prays with two people is better than if he prayed with one person and so on. The second point is that there is a defect. There is a defect or shortcoming in the prayer that one prays alone and it is less and far behind the virtues and reward of the prayer in Jama'ah. Also, that to pray in congregation is not a shart for salat. It is not a condition, a precondition. The shurut of salat are those things which if any one of them is missing, the salat will be invalid even before you enter the prayer. The preconditions for the salat, he said that the prayer in congregation is not a precondition for salat. That is the, the time of the prayer being due is a precondition. You can't pray the prayer before it's time, except in those conditions that are known, the traveler or such and such. Uh, also, a precondition for salat is tahara. A person has to be in a state of tahara. If you don't uh, meet these preconditions, then the prayer is invalid, even though you perform the prayer correctly. But here the shaykh is saying that performing the prayer in congregation is not a shart, is not a precondition for the salat, so that if, even if the person prays alone, though they lose a great reward, they would still get credit for the prayer. And the last thing he says, uh, that all of these rewards or these encouragements that the person hopes to achieve by praying in Jama'ah, such as their being raised up degrees and some of their sins being removed and the seeking of forgiveness from the angels, all of this is based on the person first having performed ablution or wudu properly and thoroughly and secondly that they left their house to go to the masjid with the intention of making salat and not for some other reason uh, so that when these things are achieved then the person expects inshallah to achieve such a reward and if any of these things are missing then we cannot expect the reward all of these are connected to the reward that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned here. Yani making wudu thoroughly, leaving the house with the intention of praying in the masjid and jama'ah, and then performing the prayer. Uh, the last thing, number five, that he mentions, that the one who is waiting for the salat gets the reward, just as the one who is in salat. And as long as you're waiting for the salat, you get the reward for the salat. The last hadith from this uh, sub-chapter, the superiority of the prayer in Jama'ah is hadith number 57 which we didn't take last week uh, due to lack of time we'll take it tonight and that's the last one from this sub-chapter of the virtues of prayer in Jama'ah and this hadith is a hadith also narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu he said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said inna asqala salatin ala al-munafiqeen Salat al-Isha'i wa Salat al-Fajr That the most difficult Salat for the hypocrites The people who profess to believe in Allah But they don't really have Iman in their heart The most difficult prayer for the hypocrites Is the 
Aisha, late night prayer, and Fajr, dawn prayer. These two prayers are the most difficult on the hypocrite. وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِيهِمَا لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوًا And here the Prophet ﷺ made us know how important these prayers are. He said that even the hypocrites, if they knew the reward that one would achieve, the great reward and virtue of these two prayers, if they had known, then they would have come to it. Even the hypocrites would have come to it. If they had known, they would have come to it even if they had to come crawling. What about the believers then? وَلَقَدْ حَمَمْتُ أَنْ آمُرَ بِالصَّلَاةِ فَتُقَامْ ثُمَّ آمُرَ رَجُلًا فَيُصَلِّيَ بِالنَّاسِ ثُمَّ أَنْتَلِقَ مَعِي بِرِجَالٍ مَعَهُمْ حُزَمْ مِنْ حَطَبٍ إِلَى قَوْمٍ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الصَّلَاةِ فَأُحَرِّقْ عَلَيْهِمْ بُيُوتَهُمْ بِالنَّارِ here the Prophet ﷺ made us to know the seriousness. Not only is the reward for the prayer in Jama'ah great, but also the punishment for the one who abandons it is equally great. And here the Prophet ﷺ said that I intended, I considered to order the prayer to be performed and that the iqamah should be made. And then I would select and command one of the people to lead the people in prayer. Yeah, I mean that he would himself not lead the prayer but order someone else to lead the prayer and then take a group of people with him carrying bundles of firewood to the people or to the houses of the people who did not attend the salat in jama'ah and to burn their houses up while they are in them. The Prophet ﷺ said that he had considered, he had intended to do this, to leave the prayer in jama'ah and go to the houses of those people who were not present and burn their houses down. And of course, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he doesn't just say things just joking or playing. This is a very serious matter that he should make such a statement ﷺ. Uh, here the Shaykh mentions in this hadith the general meaning that we understand from this hadith. When we found the hypocrites being those who do things to be seen, by others and they didn't remember Allah but a little and this is as mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 142 that the hypocrites they seek to deceive Allah but Allah in fact deceived them yani when they sought to deceive Allah then Allah allowed them to go astray completely and in fact they were the losers Whenever they stood up to pray, they used to do it lazily, not with يعني, the right proper spirit uh, that a Muslim should have when he is standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever they used to stand up for the prayer, they used to stand up lazily. They used to stand up only to be seen by the people. So the people would see them in the prayer thinking that they are also believers and they didn't used to remember Allah yani in the Salat, the purpose of Salat is remembrance of Allah but they didn't reflect on Allah or think about Allah except a little this is the condition of the hypocrites so here the Shaykh says since the hypocrites they used to do whatever they did to be seen by others and they didn't used to remember Allah much in that case the Salat al-Isha and the Salat al-Fajr both of these prayers being in the darkness yani the Isha and the night and the Fajr in the morning before it is bright outside since these two, the time for those, these two prayers was in the darkness and the people would not see them and the hypocrites only came to the prayer for the people to see them then in that case they used to fall short in these two prayers 
that came at these two times particularly it was at the time of rest and the sweetness of sleep yani when the person wants to go to sleep at the time of isha and at the fajr time when a person wants to continue sleeping when it's very difficult to get up the sweet sweetness of sleep in that case they didn't find the energy or the motivation to perform these two prayers in jamaah and no one found motivation to perform these prayers in jamaah except the one that is pushed or called or motivated by their iman believing in allah and hope of the reward in the next life if a person doesn't have strong iman and doesn't have a great hope an expectation of the reward in the next life then these two prayers will be very very difficult so with the matter being as it is these two prayers were very difficult and heavy for the hypocrites then he says but if they had known the reward that one could achieve by performing these prayers in jamaah in the masjid the great reward then they would have come to it to seek this reward even like a child crawling on hands and knees they would have come to the prayer in any condition to get there to get such a reward also in this hadith the prophet ﷺ made an oath or swearing that he had considered and intended to punish those who remained behind out of laziness from performing the prayers in congregation and he had intended to order someone to lead the prayer in jamaah and then he would take a group of people to those people who were yeah, not coming to the prayer uh, take some firewood and burn down the houses of those who failed to attend the prayer this was due to the severity of the sin of remaining back from the congregational prayer and if it wasn't for the fact of the presence of the women and the children who were innocent if not for that those innocent people were present in the houses who had not committed any sin uh the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam might have fulfilled his intention to do so concerning this matter there is difference of opinion of the scholars about the salat in jamaah there are four opinions of the scholars the first opinion is the opinion of the majority the jamhur the scholars of the hanafi madhab the maliki madhab and the shafi'i madhab and their opinion is that the salat in jamaah is sunnah mu'akkada the majority of scholars said that the salat in jamaah is sunnah mu'akkada that is it is a sunnah that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam continuously performed and he didn't used to abandon it the second opinion is a group of scholars from amongst those madhahib but they held the opinion similar but a little slightly different they said that it's fard kifaya yani fard kifaya is different from fard ain fard kifaya means that it is obligatory on the muslims in general as long as some of them fulfill it the others are free of blame but if no one fulfills it then all are to blame this is fard kifaya as long as some of the people do it it is sufficient that the others would be free from blame as opposed to fard al-ain which means that it's obligatory on every individual whoever doesn't fulfill it they are responsible for themselves so the second group they said that it was fard kifaya as long as some of the people did it and the others are free from blame that means that as long as some people prayed in congregation the others don't have to go the third opinion is the opinion of imam ahmed 
and uh, those who followed his opinion, particularly the Ahl Hadith, the people who strictly followed Hadith, and their opinion is that the Salat in Jama'ah is Fard Ain, that is, it is obligatory on every single individual, of course, meaning the adult, male, sick, uh, I mean healthy people who are not excused from coming to the congregation of prayer. The fourth opinion is the opinion of the Zahiriya, the literalists, and they held the opinion that the Salat in Jama'ah is a shart, a precondition for the correctness or acceptability of the prayer. Yani if someone didn't pray in Jama'ah, the prayer is invalid. Doesn't count. There's no credit for it. These are the four, four opinions. Sunnah Mu'akkada, Fard Kifaya, that it's Fard Al-Ain, or that it is a shart, a precondition for the Salat. The evidence is for each of them, the first opinion that it is sunnah, mu'akkada, yani a definite sunnah that the Prophet always used to uh, fulfill. They use as their proof the hadith which we mentioned previously, hadith number 55, that the prayer in jama'ah is preferable or better than the prayer alone by 27 degrees. They said this is a proof then that it's not obligatory, it's just better. Uh, they said, that as long as yani, one prayer is more rewardable, then the other one is also rewardable. Therefore, it couldn't be yani, obligatory that it has to be performed in Jama'ah when the person who performs it alone gets some reward. Though the reward is yani, less. The one in congregation is 25 or 27 times more. The one alone is less, but it's still rewardable. How can you then say that it's obligatory? And the hadith which seem to suggest that it's obligatory, such as the hadith which we mentioned now that the Prophet ﷺ intended to burn down the houses of those who didn't attend, they re-explain those hadith which dif- with different explanations uh, in order to you know, show that you know, it's not really obligatory. And the second opinion, you know, those who said that it's fard kifaya, that it's obligatory on some of the Muslims or on the generality of Muslims as long as some of them fulfill it, the others are free of blame. They basically used the same hadith as the people who said that it's fart ain. They said that if Allah or if it is permissible to make war against those who didn't perform or to fight against those who didn't perform the prayer in congregation, then they said that this shows the seriousness or the importance of the prayer. But they said that it's not obligatory on everyone. As long as some of the people do it, then it's sufficient. Uh, Those who yani, opposed them said that in fact if it was far kifaya, as they say, then it would have been sufficient that the Prophet and some of the other people performed the prayer in congregation, then there was no blame on those people who stayed in their homes if it was far kifaya. Then why would the Prophet go and burn their homes down? Some people were in the masjid with him, that means uh, as long as some of them did it, the others are free of blame. This is the proof that shows clearly that it's not far kifaya. The third opinion, the opinion of those who said that it's obligatory on every individual from amongst the adult males uh, who don't have a legitimate excuse, uh, they use as proof a number of authentic hadith from amongst them this hadith, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ intending to burn down the houses of those who didn't attend. And this hadith shows that the matter is a serious matter. If the Prophet ﷺ intended to burn their houses down while they were in it, it shows that this is not a minor thing, but it, it, it is indeed a major sin, and therefore, yeah, I need to avoid it is obligatory. 
Also they used as a proof the hadith of the blind man who came to the Prophet wasallam and asked permission to pray at home to avoid the prayer and congregation. And in some of the narrations the Prophet wasallam gave him permission and then called him back and asked him, do you hear the adhan? He said, yes. He said, then you must respond to it. And in many of the narrations of that hadith, it's clear that the man was blind. He didn't have a guide to help him to the masjid and that it was difficult for him to get to the masjid due to the dangers in the road from reptiles or animals or other things. And in spite of that, the Prophet ﷺ told him, you must come to the congregational prayer. So what about those who are not blind and they're healthy and it's easy for them to get to the prayer? They also use as a proof the fact that even in the battlefield, the Muslims are obligated to pray the prayer in congregation. The Prophet ﷺ, or it was legislated that even in the, on the battlefield when you are facing the enemies, if the time for the prayer comes, you have to pray in congregation, though we pray in groups. Some of the Muslims will pray while others defend them, and then the others will pray while those defend them. This means that if on the battlefield it's obligatory to pray in Jama'ah, then what about in peace times? How can there be an excuse for me? And so many other evidences they use. As for the hadith, that uh, those who said that it's not obligatory, they said that the prayer in congregation is preferable or better or more rewardable by 25 or 27 times. They said, this means that the prayer in the prayer that the person prays alone is accepted, it is correct, but it doesn't eliminate the fact that it is obligatory to pray it in congregation. They said that we are not saying that the prayer is not accepted, the prayer is accepted, but the reward for the prayer is reduced and there is a sin against the person who fails to attend the prayer in congregation without an excuse based on the evidences which they already mentioned. And the last group, the Zahiriya, who said that the prayer, uh, that the prayer in congregation, yeah, performing in congregation is a condition, a precondition, a sharf for the acceptability or the correctness of the salat, they use as a proof for their opinion the hadith which has been reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah and the Sunan of Ad-Darqutni and others on the authority of Ibn Abbas, Man Samia and Nida'a Falam Ya'tihi Fala Salatalahu Illa Min Udr that whoever hears the nida, the call to prayer, the adhan, and he doesn't come to perform it in congregation, فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَهُ then there is no prayer for him, he has no prayer, إِلَّا مِنْ عُذْرٍ except the one who has a legitimate legal excuse. Uh, here, the shaykh says that this hadith, the strongest opinion about this hadith is that it's mawkuf, it's not marfu'un, and we explained what mawkuf is, I think, last week. Mawkuf means that it doesn't go back to the Prophet ﷺ, but it stops at the Sahaba who narrated. Yani, he is saying that the strongest opinion, as some of the scholars of hadith said, is that this hadith is not marfu'un. It is not really a saying of the Prophet ﷺ, but it is really a saying of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Uh, and even some of the scholars said that the isnad of the hadith, even to Ibn Abbas, is not sahih, because some of the reporters or some of the narrators in the hadith are weak narrators or have been criticized by the scholars of hadith. Um, actually, there is difference of opinion about this hadith, but the most correct opinion is that the hadith is sahih. It is authentically reported from the Prophet through other narrations. And this has been, yani, a research on this has been done by Shaykh Nasruddin al-Albani in Irwa al-Ghalil, volume 2, page 336, hadith number 551, in which he showed conclusively through a number of narrations and reports and the sayings of the scholars that this hadith is in fact really sahih. 
in any case, the opinion of the fourth group, we, if we say that the hadith is sahih, still, uh, some of the scholars said, yani, they answered them by saying that if we combine this hadith with the other narrations of the blind man and the salat in uh, salat al-khawf on the battlefield and the intention of the Prophet to burn down the house of those who didn't attend, if we combine them together, not neglecting either side, if we look at them together to make reconciliation, then we could say, so as not to disregard these authentic hadith, nor to disregard this authentic hadith, then we could say that the meaning here of the Prophet ﷺ when he said, La salata, it means that La salata kamila. As many other reports came in hadith, sometimes the Prophet ﷺ, when he said that the person doesn't have salat, or the person doesn't have saum, or the person doesn't have such and so, he means not that it is completely bottle or invalid, but he means that it is not complete and perfect. The reward for it is decreased. This is what we can understand from this hadith, that whoever hears the adhan or the call, and they don't come to it, then there is no salat for them, meaning that their salat is not complete or perfect, unless they have an excuse. Also, uh, a proof against those who said that the Salat in Jama'ah is a condition for the acceptability or the correctness of the Salat is the previously mentioned hadith that the Salat in Jama'ah is preferable or better than the Salat alone by 25 degrees or 27 degrees. This hadith clearly states that the prayer of the one who prays alone is less preferable or less rewardable but it is accepted. And it is less rewardable but it is accepted, it is correct although the person loses a great amount of reward. Uh, from this hadith, the Shaykh mentions a number of points. Uh, the first of them is that the Salat in congregation is obligatory on every individual adult male. Yani, according to the Apparent, yani, and Allah knows best, there are four different opinions here, but according to the third opinion of those who said that it's Fard Ain, yani, he considered this opinion to be the strongest, that the prayer and congregation is obligatory on every adult male. So this is one point that's derived from the hadith. Yani, looking or considering, though, that there's difference of opinion. Some scholars said no, that uh, it's not Fard Ain, but it's Fard Kifai, and some said that it's Sunnah Mu'akkada. In any case, uh, for sure from this hadith it's clear the Prophet intended to burn down the house of those who didn't attend. It's clear that the Salat in Jama'ah, if it's not any Fard Ain, then it's certainly highly, highly recommended. The second point, uh, that whoever fails or is absent, fails to attend or is absent from the prayer in Jama'ah without a legitimate legal shara'i excuse, then that person has committed a sin and they deserve to be punished for such. The third point is a rule or a qa'idah that we took before dar al-mafasid muqaddam ala jalb al-mafali that uh, repulsing some harmful matter is, takes precedence over achieving or trying to achieve some beneficial thing. Uh, and this is understood from the fact that the Prophet ﷺ tried to uh, repulse the harmful matter, that is, he tried to stop the people from being absent from the congregational prayer by showing the importance of the prayer and congregation, even to the extent that in order to do that, he was going to 
lose some beneficial thing. That is, he was going to leave the congregational prayer himself and order somebody else to lead the prayer and go to the houses of those who are absent to burn their houses down. This shows that trying to stop evil and harm is more important than trying to achieve some individual benefit for yourself. And also, uh, that the Prophet ﷺ, although he wanted to punish those people for abandoning the prayer, uh, he was also concerned about يعني, uh, causing harm to those who are innocent at the cost of punishing those who are guilty. So here again we understand that repulsing the harm to those who are innocent t- took precedence over the good that would be achieved by punishing those who were sinful in avoiding the prayer and congregation. Also from this hadith he said that the hypocrites, the munafiqun, they don't intend by their acts of worship anything except ar-riyah wa sam'ah. They intend to be seen by others and they intend to be heard. Yani that they did, they, they intend that people hear about their actions. They do them in order for people to see them and in order for people to hear about what they have done. Uh, and since the prayer, the Isha and the Fajr prayer was at a time when people wouldn't see them, then they found it difficult to attend. In other words, there was no benefit for them. If people were not going to see them, then there was no need to go. Point number five, the virtues and the superiority of these two prayers also is emphasized in this hadith. The virtue and superiority of Salat al-Isha, the late night prayer, and Salat al-Fajr, the dawn prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said that if they knew the reward that they would achieve from these prayers, they would have come to it even crawling on their hands and knees. That shows that the reward for these prayers is very, very great. And also, the difficulty of the hypocrites in performing the Fajr and Isha prayer, uh, it is understood that it's not just difficult for them to perform the prayer, but what was difficult for them was to attend the congregational prayer in the masjid. And that was because of the great call or the, يعني, the, يعني, the thing that called them to uh, abandon the prayer was the fact that uh, they were enjoying the sleep or they wanted to go and sleep. And the thing also that uh, holds them back from attending the prayer was the fact that they were only attending the prayer to be seen and since nobody was going to see them, then there was no encouragement or inspiration for them to go. Uh, the next hadith is the hadith Hudur al-Nisa al-Masjid Bab Hudur al-Nisa al-Masjid When is the presence of women in the Masjid or the women attending the congregational prayers in the Masjid in This hadith, hadith number 58 is narrated on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah May Allah be pleased with him and his father and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who said إذا استأذنت امرأة أحدكم إلى المساجد فلا يمنعها That if any one of your wives استأذنت asks permission from you to attend the masjid, to go to the masjid for the prayers فلا يمنعها Then the Prophet said do not prohibit them and you don't prohibit them and this is a prohibition فلا يمنعها He prohibited us from prohibiting them uh, this hadith is narrated in Bukhari and Muslim and in some of the narrations the hadith 
يعني, is extended with the saying uh, that Abd ibn Umar said that what happened when he was narrating this hadith فَقَالَ Bilal ibn Abdullah يعني, his son Abdullah Bilal the son of Abdullah ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما said wallahi لَنَمْنَعُهُنَّ I swear by Allah we will prevent them we will stop them from going to the masjid قال فأقبل عليه عبد الله فسبه سبا سيئا then Abdullah went to his son and he spoke to him harshly very very harshly وقال and then he said to his son يعني uh, the narrator said فسبه سبا سيئا ما سمعته سبه مثله قط I never heard him use such words before that ever وقال then he said after Speaking so harshly to his son, he said, "Ukhbiruka an Rasulillah wa taqul wallahi la namnaun yani that I inform you or tell you about what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, and then you say you swear by Allah that you will stop them." Also. Uh, he mentions here another narration of this hadith that's reported also in Bukhari and Muslim in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said La tamna'u ima Allah masajid Allah La tamna'u do not stop or prohibit the ima Allah the slave girls or the slave servants yani the believing women slaves of Allah don't prohibit them from the masjids of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, here the Shaykh says concerning this hadith, the general meaning of the hadith, uh, it is reported from Ibn Umar that the Prophet clarified the hukum or the ruling of the women going out to perform the prayers in the masjid. The ruling is that if your wife asks you permission to go to the masjid, then you should not stop her so as not to prohibit her from يعني, the reward or the virtue of the prayer in Jumu'ah in the masjid. And then he says that one of the sons of Abdullah ibn Umar and it's narrated in different hadith that some of them said that it was Bilal and some of them said that it was Waqid and some of them said one of his sons without naming him. In any case one of his sons yani, was present while Abdullah ibn Umar was narrating this hadith uh, and due to the change in the conditions of the times yani, how things had changed after the passing of the Prophet and how the women had begun to dress themselves attractively different than the women used to dress in the days of the Prophet then the son of Abdullah Bilal or whichever one of them it was his ghayra or love and respect for the women to protect them this is what moved him to uh, say what he said not that he was opposing the legislation of the Prophet ﷺ, but it was only his intention in saying what he said to protect the women yani, due to the change in time or condition. But his father understood that he was opposing the ruling of the Prophet ﷺ or the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and this caused his father Abdullah to become very very angry anger for the sake of Allah and for the Messenger of Allah and this is what caused him to speak so harshly to him. From this hadith 
Uh, and then he said to him finally that I inform you what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then you say yani what he said and then you say wallahi we will stop them even though the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said don't stop them uh, so both of them yani the intention was good but yani uh, we should be careful in what we say so that we do not say something in contradiction or in opposition to the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this hadith, the, the Shaykh mentions five points. The first of them, that it is mustahab, or it is commendable, or recommended, or beloved, to give permission to the women to go to the masjid for salat, if they ask permission. And if they ask, it is mustahab to give them permission, considering the conditions and circumstances. Number two, that the permission, yani the permissibility of giving them permission, yani it's permissible for you to give them permission, as long as, they don't go out decorating themselves in an attractive manner that is not allowed in the Sharia. And as long as there is no fear for their safety or any harm coming to them. But if you know that harm would come to them, then you either have to accompany them or prohibit them from going. Uh, and also included in the manner of dress of the women is that the women shouldn't go out perfumed as mentioned in some of the hadith. Also, from this hadith, it appears on the surface of the hadith that the permissibility of the women going out is simply for the performance of salat. But in other hadith, it is made clear that the women also have permission to go out even for the khutbah, such as the khutbah of Eid and so on, as it's narrated uh, in the hadith of Al-Bukhari on the authority of Umm Atiyah, anha, she said, أَمْرَنَا نَبِيُّنَا صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ أَنْ نُخْرِجَ فِي الْعِيدَيْنِ الْعَوَاتِقِ وَذَوَاتِ الْخُضُورِ That our Prophet وسلم, commanded us to go out for the two Eids. The young or the mature girls who had reached puberty as well as the virgin girls who used to stay in seclusion, who didn't go out and mix amongst the people, they were commanded to go out to participate on the days of Eid. So that the women going out is not only for the Salat, but even يعني, for the Eid and other such occasions. Number four, the severity of reprimanding the one who opposes the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, as exemplified in the reaction of Abdullah to his son. And finally he says that whoever wants to say something concerning the legislation, the speech of Allah in the Qur'an or the speech of the Prophet ﷺ. If they want to try to clarify or they say something يعني, perhaps that could be understood as contradicting or opposing the ruling of the Qur'an or Sunnah, then they should speak clearly and with proper uh, adab and respect. In this chapter, and before closing this, closing this chapter, let me just give you a few references uh, of some hadith related to the subject of the women going out to the masjid. One of them is the hadith reported by Imam Muslim. Uh, it's in the first volume of Sahih Muslim, page 241, hadith number 893, in which the Prophet ﷺ said, When any one of you comes out to the masjid, meaning the women, that she should not use perfume. When a woman goes out with permission of her husband to the masjid, she should not perfume herself. And also, when the woman goes to the prayer, 
the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that is reported also in the Sahih of Muslim, volume 1, page 239, hadith number 883, that it, they used to say, while they were in the prayer, someone used to announce, O oh, women, do not lift your heads till the men raise them. Yani at that time, it was uh, due to the poverty of the Muslims in that time, that some, many of the men didn't have sufficient clothing to cover themselves properly, and perhaps when they were in sajda, some of the parts of their body could be exposed. So that they used to remind the women to allow the men to sit up first and fix their clothing before the women should sit up. Here we can understand from this yani, that uh, just to be careful of yani, looking uh, between the men and the women or, or you can say from the women to the men because the women are behind the men so the men have no need or no way to look behind them. But the women also shouldn't be looking at the men. And thirdly, the hadith reported by Al-Imam Muslim in volume 1, page 234, hadith number 850, in which the Prophet ﷺ said that tasbih or saying subhanallah, this is for men and clapping is for women, yani that is in the case that the Imam makes a mistake or there is some error or something to bring to his attention, the men should say subhanallah to bring to the Imam's attention that there is some problem and the women should clap their hands, they should not let their voice be heard while they are amongst the men. And finally, uh, that the women should avoid the first lines, that the best lines for the women are the last lines, and the worst lines for the women are the first lines. These are some of the things related to the women performing the prayer in congregation. Uh, We can stop here, instead of going to the next chapter, uh, because the next chapter, and we cannot complete it. Rather than rushing uh, tonight, inshallah, we will stop here on this hadith uh, and take the next section, Sunan Ratiba, the Sunan prayers performed with the congregation prayer, hadith number 59 and 60 in the next meeting, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So if there are any comments or corrections or any questions about the hadith that we have taken tonight, then uh, we have... uh, more than five minutes, insha'Allah, before the adhan. And also, let me just remind the sisters that uh, immediately at the end of the class, please go downstairs. There are men coming here today for the Arabic class. So as soon as we discontinue the class, uh, please try to go downstairs. Now, fadl was there any incident of the Prophet ﷺ punishing someone for not attending the congregational prayer? I don't know that there was any incident, and I doubt that there was. If there had been, I think it would have been reported by the scholars in their debate concerning this matter. And in some of the books, such as Fath al-Bari by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, he discussed this issue in detail, and so did Al-Imam al-Shawkani in Nail al-Awta, and I don't recall that either of them mentioned any incident in this argument between the various opinions that I don't recall that they mentioned any incident of the Prophet ﷺ actually punishing someone for not attending the congregational prayer. If that answers your question. <laughs> Allah knows best 
Yani there are many uh, opinions that the scholars offered for why the Prophet ﷺ said that he would burn their houses down and why he didn't burn their houses down. There are many opinions offered. But there's no clear proof except that which has been reported in some of the narrations of this hadith that he didn't burn their houses down due to the presence of the women and children who were innocent and there was no sin against them for not attending. That's the only thing that I am aware of that's reported in hadith. As for the other opinions as to why he didn't burn their houses down or why he didn't punish them in some other way, um, there are opinions, the ijtihad of the scholars. <laughs> I am not prepared to offer their opinions. But Allah knows best. In any case, we can say for sure, without any doubt, that it is sufficient that they have been punished by losing the reward of the prayer in Jama'ah. That's sufficient. If no more punishment than that, then this is sufficient. The, the loss to everyone who missed the prayer in congregation, if we accept the fact that there is no difference of opinion about, that the reward in Jama'ah is at least preferable, even if it's not obligatory, by 25 or 27 times, then the loss of the reward, Yawm Qiyamah, is greater than any punishment in this world that they may have received from the Prophet If we consider that, for example, someone whose uh, salary is uh, 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 riyals monthly, multiply 5,000 times 25, what will it come to? What will it come to? 125,000. The difference between receiving a salary, your salary, your present salary of 5,000, if it was multiplied by 25, it would be 125,000. Is there a difference? Look at the loss of the one who didn't attend in congregation. And that's only on the worldly basis, but the reward with Allah is greater than that. Then that means this is sufficient, and Allah knows this, but whoever didn't attend, even if the Prophet ﷺ didn't punish them physically, then for sure they have been punished by the loss of the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yawm qiyamah. Any other comments uh, before we uh, close? Tayyip. Uh, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.